0: athlete, parent, or spouse because of it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, and we are in season three, which is entitled Lead to Win. So we are going through leadership principles paired with mindset principles to help you take your leadership to the next level, because it's about being intentional, right? In everything we do, we have got to start being intentional. And today in episode seven, we are going to look at the leadership principle of communicate with clarity and compassion, coupled with the mindset principle of storytelling And we're really going to look at the power of story to drive connection with our people and to help clarify the message that we are sending, both internally and externally. So to our internal employees, team, followers, et cetera, and externally to our customers, our clients, and the the people that we're trying to connect with and engage in this process of growth and development and excellence. So again, at the Selking Performance Group, we are really helping individuals, teams, and organizations understand the two components of mindset and leadership to unleash performance excellence and drive sustainable results. And so again, that mindset piece, really looking at how people think and how these mindsets or patterned ways of thinking drive human behavior. And then secondly, from a leadership standpoint, understanding how the systems that are in place that leaders facilitate can tap into and optimize that individual human performance. And so uh, myself and my team of performance coaches are really, really excited about the interactions that we've been having recently with with individuals in sports space, the sports teams and business organizations, because this stuff is applicable in every domain, right? So whether, again, you're in a locker room or a boardroom or your family living room or a classroom, mindset. There's brains in the room, right? So mindset becomes applicable and and leadership, right? Leadership, everything rises and falls on leadership. John Maxwell says that all the time. And it's and it's a powerful thought, right? And so in this season, again, season three, we're really trying to tap into that element of leadership and giving us a different look and perspective of that. Man, I've just been so excited with the interviews, the leadership interviews that we have had over, over the last several weeks. So, you know, we've heard from Justin Moss, Tom Mendoza, um, Barbara Falkenberry, man, and the stories that these individuals have shared have just been powerful, right? Barbara's story last week about when she pulled her team and their spouses together. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, Barbara's a retired two-star major general in the United States Air Force. And the story that she shared of when she pulled her team and their spouses together on September 12th after 9-11 was powerful, right? And again, today we're going to look at why is story so powerful and why is it important for us as leaders to tap into the power of story as we're communicating with our people. So let's dive in without further ado because we're going to again start looking at this mindset or this leadership principle of communicate with clarity and compassion. So communication is one of the most important aspects I believe in leadership because you know if we've got right we've got a vision, mission, values, goals and and we build relationships with people, that's really really important, but we have to be able to communicate the vision, the mission, the values, the goals. Get everybody on the same page and communicate 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 right we've heard from from tom mendoza about how communication is so important and being in front of your people communicating the culture and the message consistently is the only way that we can really have a transformational impact and and really get the culture to live and to thrive in our organization and get everybody on the same page toward accomplishing that. And so, you know, we really have to to clarify what it is we are trying to get our people aligned on. And one of my favorite quotes, I forget where I heard it, it's been forever, right? But but think about an old church service and it's, you know, if it's fuzzy at the pulpit, it is mud by the time it hits the pews. And so, as leaders, we have to get very clearly in our mind what it is we are trying to communicate and then communicate it with clarity. Now, I add the compassion piece because I think this is really critical for us to understand as leaders, right? We have an understanding of what we're thinking about, and in our head, we know how we think, and we can see all of the points to which we can extrapolate that thought to all the different aspects, right? But the people that are hearing the message don't know where your brain is connecting all those different ideas and, and the greater picture that you have in mind. Unless you share it. And so this compassion piece, you know, the definition of compassion right? is sympathetic consciousness of others with a de- others' distress with an, a desire to alleviate it. So again, compassion, a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate it you're like, well, what does heck does that definition of compassion have to do with communication? So we do this really fun activity called piecing it together. You can do it with your people if you have a chance, but you can literally go get some children's puzzles, right? So, so big piece puzzles, about 24 pieces. You don't want to get them too small or it'll be impossible. And then you pair people up and you blindfold one person, And so, and he or she will be the one putting the pieces of the puzzle together. The other person is the communicator, they cannot touch the other individual's hands or the puzzle pieces. They have to merely communicate with the individual who's blindfolded on how to put the pieces together properly. Now, what this you think this sounds easy, right? But but try it with your people or with you at home before maybe you go back to work and try it because it is fascinating to see what occurs in this moment, right? The communicator is saying, "Okay, just put the piece on the right." Um, and connect it with the piece on your left. Well, sometimes if they're sitting right across from each other, the right and their left are switched. And so they have to really force themselves to adopt the role of the learner, right? The role of the listener. What is this person hearing me say right now? Let me get in their shoes literally to orient myself on what's even their right or their left so that I can communicate it in a way that they can hear it right? A way that they can hear it. And that's one of the, that's what I mean when I say compassion, right? And it's funny because then the person putting the puzzle together is starting to get frustrated or sometimes even feeling bad, like, I'm so sorry. I, I keep messing this up, right? They're literally in distress, because they're they're trying so hard to execute the action that that the puzzle communicator is trying to deliver, or they're trying to please, they're trying to do what it is that they want, but they're, they're not understanding. And so a couple things are at play there. One, people have to calm down and listen, really listen. But then the communicator, the one giving the directions to put the pieces together, needs to adopt the role and understand, well, what is the state of this individual and how can I have compassion on them and, and alleviate that distress they're feeling by better understanding where they're coming from, what they're not comprehending right now, and then communicating in ways that, that can facilitate their ability to execute so whether you're dealing with a puzzle piece or whether you're trying to get your athletes to understand your playbook or whether you're trying to get your employees to deliver more consistently, it is about communicating with clarity and compassion, right? To get in their shoes, understand what it is they're missing and then reposition or recommunicate in different ways so that they can hear and understand, um, You know, again, people say in teaching all the time, listen, if they're not learning, you're not teaching. It's not about what you have to say. It's about what they're hearing and what they're understanding. So communication is not about the person communicating, right? This podcast isn't about me. This is about you. This is about what you're learning. And and I've sent this off to people in all different domains to get critical feedback on how can I make this better so that my listeners can gain more right? And if you have any ideas on ways that I can improve to help you learn better through your engagement with this podcast, email me, amber at selkingperformance.com. Again, I don't, I don't do this for me. I do this. I do this for you. I do this for your team so that we can all continue to learn and grow together in two areas that I feel passionate about that I believe can transform business, sport, and society mindset and leadership. And so again, communicating with clarity and compassion so that people can really grasp what it is we're saying and take that next step. One of the first, one of the the next things I guess to consider as it relates to communication is that 65% of all communication is nonverbal. And so, again, I wanted to clarify what I meant by compassion, but I think we should also clarify what we mean by communication. So communication is verbal and nonverbal, right? And within verbal, that includes oral communication and written communication. And let's break those up even further. So so think we under verbal, right? We've got oral and written. And then under oral, we have speaking and listening, right? Listening is an element of herbal or oral, verbal, right? Oral verbal communication. And then under written, right? We've got writing and reading. So speaking, listening, writing, reading, and then we jump over to nonverbal. Again, 65% of all our communication. Think about that. Think about that. 65% of everything that you communicate, with your team, with your boss, with your spouse, with your children, with your athletes, with your friends, 65% of that is nonverbal. That goes into facial expressions, gestures, body language, your proximity, you know, how close you get to people, how far away you stand from them, touch, your personal appearance, silence, right? Silence. That's a nonverbal communicator. Silence says something. So, as leaders, we have got to be acutely aware that everything you say, everything you do, everything you don't say, everything you don't do is communicating. And we have got to be mindful of that. If we go back to season one of the podcast and we were talking about building your mental performance foundation, the first building block of a solid mental performance foundation is awareness. Why? Because we have to be aware before we can enhance. And so from a leadership standpoint, we have to become aware that 65% of everything we communicate is nonverbal. So we have to be mindful of that and then make sure that what we are trying to communicate is actually getting communicated. Okay, so those are sort of the two fundamental things that I wanted to to make sure we clarified before we moved on. One, when we talk about communication, what does that mean? when now we know, right, verbal and nonverbal, and 65% is nonverbal. And then also when we talk about compassion, why is that important? Because listen, if our people can't hear us, if they can't understand us, if they can't get on board with us, because we are not compassionate to understanding the lens through which they're viewing the world, we aren't going to be effective. You can start to look at it, right? I had an incredible conversation with a a Division I college football coach this morning, and he said, you know, one of the things I've noticed over the last particularly 10 years is that coaches that are not willing to adapt and adjust to this generation are really struggling to make it work. They're still trying this old school I'm the boss, I tell you what to do, so do it mentality. And he thinks that's why a lot of these college scandals are starting to become uncovered because kids don't listen that way. They can't hear, they can't learn when it's that top-down sort of in-your-face, do-what-I-say-because-I-say-it way. And if we can grasp the power in communicating with clarity and compassion, again, adopting the stance of the learner, All of a sudden, this is going to open these kids up to hearing, right? Hearing so that they can learn, so that they can grow, so that they can understand why it's important to make great decisions. The same goes for the people in your organization. When we can understand the lens through which they're viewing the world and experiencing their day-to-day at work in your environment or in your classroom or on your practice field, now we can make adjustments and we can communicate verbally and non-verbally with clarity that they can they can see, they can touch, they can feel, they can understand and therefore they can implement all right, so let's let's shift a little bit. Now we go into lead in, lead out, right? So again, before we can effectively communicate verbally or non-verbally, we we must put some thought into building the message. So when we talk about leading in this week, it's it's necessarily speaking about building the message, right? Leading in, spending time with yourself and your message, crafting that message before you actually le- sh- lead out, right? By sharing and communicating that message outward. So again, it's not about what we say or do. It's about what they hear and what they understand. And so there's a few simple models that I want to share with you today that can help us really build our message in a way that helps us connect with others, build their engagement with us in the message, and transform their hearts and minds to live differently, right, or to change the behavior. So uh, an, an old school right phrase, a begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Where are you going? What's the destination? Where are you trying to lead people with your communication? What is the impact that we want our message to have? You know, and and you're like, well, I don't know. What do I think about that? Well, Well, ask yourself before you go. But every time before I go, go give a talk or or deliver a keynote address, I start with the end in mind. What are the three key takeaways that I want my audience to walk away with? Right? And listen, when I say audience, this can be a large crowd, or this can be a single reader of an email that I send someone. And so what are the three key, or maybe it's just one takeaway, but what's the takeaway that I want these individuals to have? Now it shouldn't be more than three because the reality of it is you're not going to get much more accomplished uh, in any, in single communication series, right? Then single communication, not series, I guess that would be multiple communications, right? But what is the one or two, three key takeaways that you want that individual or group to walk away with? Start there. Right, and then work backwards to build your message around those three things. So there's two videos I'm going to put in the episode notes for you to check out. And I'm sure several of you've heard this. I've referenced Simon Sinek's work before, but he has a book called Start With Why, and he's got several books. But this is a good one as we look at communication in terms of crafting our communication around why we do what we do, right, And, and leveraging that to try to tap into the emotional aspects of communication. So again, I'll put a YouTube video in the episode notes. Check that out in terms of looking at Start With Why as it relates to crafting your message. And then Chip and Dan Heath have written several incredible books, but one of their earlier ones was called Made to Stick. And it's talking about how do we create sticky messages, right? And that can be a speech, that can be a marketing campaign, that can be an email, right? But getting ideas to stick in people's minds. And and again, they talk about how to make messages sticky. They use a success acronym. So S-U-C-C-E-S. So simple Unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional, and stories. Right. So they 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 think that if you can tap into those different elements, right? Keep the message simple. Have it very clear. Um, unexpected. Right. Try to create connect something normal with something like something that they already have a a mental schema for, connect it with something novel and new. So for example, when we talk about mindsets, right, mindset is a patterned way of thinking. And mindsets actually, as we repeat thoughts, right, we build mindsets. And and thoughts, these repeated thoughts become actual protein patterns in our brain. If you've listened to previous episodes, right, you you probably know, they're starting to link 75 to 90% of all mental and physical health disorders are caused due to our thought life, that is, repeated thoughts or mindsets that are unhealthy, unproductive, anxious, depressed, fearful. Whereas, right, we know that positive, optimistic, hopeful, healthy mindsets or patterned ways of thinking lead to health, right, and productivity. And so an unexpected schema that I could tap into, if we were to put up a brain scan, right, of a person with negative and a positive mindset, we would be able to tell the difference because negative mindsets show up as like shriveled trees. I want you to think of a forest that's been scorched by fire, right? Those trees are dark, they're withered, they're crusted, right? That's what, that's what negative mindsets look like in a brain scan. Whereas on the flip side, Healthy mindsets. Think of bright, vibrant trees in the rainforest, right where there's just layers and layers of of luscious green everywhere, and it's alive and it's shining and it's crackling almost. You can just see the the energy. That's what that's what a positive mindset would look like. And so that's that would be an example of an unexpected schema, right? You know what scorched trees look like or the rainforest looks like, but now connecting that to what mindsets look like, right? You can connect that, and it's memorable, and that's how we make things sticky, concrete, right? So having concrete examples, and so a concrete example of a mindset would be an anxious mindset, right? Every time you step into a sales meeting and you get that flash of anxiety, it's a concrete example. We've had that, or if you're if you're a student and you're listening and you have a you have a presentation to give, right? And that public speaking anxiety that starts the, the heartbeat. That little pit in your stomach—that's a concrete example of mindset and how those get activated. Credible, right? Attach credibility to what it is you're sharing. Brain science brings enough credibility, I think. Emotional. This is about tapping into the person behind the message, right? And trying—I'm trying to like listen. I want you to be happy, healthy, productive, vibrant in your own life and the lives of those around you. Right? That's emotional. That's connecting to an identity piece of you. Listen, we don't wake up in the morning and think, mm, I can't wait to be average today. But how many evenings do we go to bed thinking, I'm not sure how spectacular I was today? You're not, we're not wired to be average. We're wired to be excellent if we learn how to tap into that wiring. And so I'm trying to emotionally connect with you in a way that goes into your identity. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Everything you say and do is a reflection of that. And you're building, right? A person of excellence, a person of greatness, a leader of integrity, or you're building mediocrity. And every day you wake up, you get to choose what it is you're going to build in your life. I want want that to stick with you. And then finally, write stories, the use of story. And I think now's a great time to talk about our, our mindset principle that we're coupling this this week is the power of storytelling. And you've heard, I think there's a book called The Power of Story. Check it out. I'll, I'll put it in the episode notes for you, okay? But why are stories so important and powerful? Well, there's four things that happen in the human brain when we tell stories. The first is something that we call neural coupling. And so what happens when we tell a story is that it activates regions of the brain that actually allows the listener to couple that with their own set of experiences and insights and make it seem like their own ideas. Right. So they're coupling. Neurons are starting to couple together that people internalize the story and start to couple their own past experience with that. And they see themselves in the own in that exact situation. Right. And they make it their own and they grasp new ideas and learning through that. The next thing that happens is called mirroring, okay? So our mirror neurons, when a person tells a story, their neurons light up in the different regions of the type of story that they're telling. So if I'm telling a story about, getting ready for a soccer game, right? And I'm describing that feel of adrenaline in the in my stomach on the inside. And I and I explain how, you know, I'm sitting on the sideline. I start to put my, my shin guards on, right? And the, the scent of stale sweat sort of wafts up to my nose. And I love it, right? And then I hear that Velcro snap in on my shin guards, and I slip my socks on. They're really tight, but I pull them up over my calf muscles and get them over my shin guards. And then I slip those cleats on. I start with the left one, right? I always started tying my left cleat first. And I get that tied and I tie it real tight and I feel my shoe compress against my foot. Then I go over and I tie my right one and I feel that compress against my foot. I take a deep breath and exhale. When I stand up, I feel my cleats push into the soft turf, right? And I start to feel that. And I smell, smell the scent of grass, right? In the background, right there in front of you. Look out over the green field with the white lines on it stare down across the field at my opponent, feel that little burst of adrenaline as I think to myself, I'm strong, powerful, equal threat. Let's go. Right, so so now all of a sudden I'm telling that story to you, and as I'm telling that story, the the motor cortex in my brain is lighting up, right, with with feel and with standing up. The scent, the the scent regions in the brain are activated in my brain as I'm telling that story. They're lighting up. The awesome thing that happens when we tell stories is that the listeners' mirror neurons, so the mirror neurons in in your brain, are starting to reflect or mirror mirror the activation in my brain. And so it literally starts to sink the brain of the speaker and the listener. And this is why story is so powerful because it can connect people at a totally different level. The next thing that happens is a dopamine release, right? And so dopamine allows us To generate the this emotionality. So dopamine is, is released and it creates an emotionally charged event. And when emotion happens and that dopamine's released, memories get stored at a deeper level. Stories help release that dopamine, right? And tap into an experience. When it's been in that emotionally charged event, so it can log it as a memory, and you remember right often. If you think back to any keynotes or addresses that you've been at, sometimes it's hard to remember the details, but you can remember the stories that people shared, right? And then the last thing is something that's called um, cortex activity, right? And this is when when we're processing facts, two regions of the the brain light up. But a well-told story can engage many additional areas, including the motor cortex, the sensory cortex the frontal cortex like we talked about earlier right so that mirroring can start to happen because it activates additional activity throughout the regions of the brain and this is why storytelling is so impo- is so powerful and that's a little bit of the science behind it as leaders Telling stories is really, really important because it helps us connect with people on a different level, helps them see it through a different lens. So in the class that I teach at HR, strategic HR management, or the class I teach at Notre Dame, I'm sorry, strategic HR management, um, I'll bring, I bring guest speakers in to, to class and I want them to share specific stories and examples of their life as an HR professional. And what that allows this to do is for the students to see, one, what it would be like to be an HR professional in the real world. But two, right, take what we learn from the textbook standpoint and, and create a broader a broader mental conception of what that role actually is and the importance of it. Okay, so again, right, we started with the lead in this importance of building the message, we, we have to lead in start with ourself in the message first, so that we can more effectively lead out. And when we say lead out, this is about sharing the message. So lead in was build the message lead out is share the message. One critical thing to keep in mind when communicating with others is is something I like to refer to as the intent versus impact model. It's a really simple model draw it on the paper in front of you. So draw one circle and write intent and then draw a bigger circle around that smaller circle that you made. And I want you to write impact. Okay. What do we notice? The intent circle is often smaller than the impact circle. Well, it is smaller than the impact circle, right? (laughs) Because it's inside of it. And so a lot of times what we have to understand is our intent as, as a communicator is really, really, really important, but we have to understand that the impact is often much greater, and that can be a positive impact or a negative impact. And so it's really, really important for us to clarify our message so that our intent matches the impact that's happening, or that we can cultivate a massive positive impact, right? That's what storytelling allows us to do. It allows us to take the intent of our message and have a broad, broader, more positive impact of the messaging that we're trying to convey by getting it to register more deeply with our people, right? So that they can see it, feel it, taste it, literally at the neurological level. you know, as we talk about, you know, uh, pregame, after warm ups, feeling, tasting the sweat on your lips, right, or or maybe coming out after out of your break room after lunch and the the taste of diet coke, right. So your brain is is mirroring that activity. So even though you might not be tasting those things right now, that's happening at the neurological level. So stories allow us to increase the impact of our message, but it's really, really, really important that we understand the intent and the impact of our message. And as leaders. When our impact is not what we intended it to be, the default response is not, well, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Hopefully not, right? But that doesn't mean that the impact still wasn't larger than you intended or perhaps more negative than you intended. And again, it's not just what you say. It's your body language. It's your facial expressions. It's your gestures. Coaches, throwing your hands up on the sideline, right? Throwing your clipboard, throwing your hat down. No, you're not my, you might not be saying, hey, kid, you suck. What the heck was that? But you're certainly communicating that. And the impact of your message, right, is not a good one in that moment. And so we have to be very, very mindful of that. I will say, however, when I teach this to everybody, to leaders and, and to teams and organizations, I try to help individuals understand, listen, sometimes you need to take a chill pill and pause for a minute when you start, you start feeling really offended or getting really upset by what your coach or your boss or your leader said to you and ask yourself, I right, do you really think that was his intent? Do you really think that was her intent? Or is that the impact that I'm experiencing from that? And why am I experiencing that impact? Is it because of how they said it? Or is it because of a a past experience that I've had that was really negative that I'm attaching this moment to? I had a really interesting experience with this. I literally had just come across this model. um, And I was on a global call with uh, members of our HR leadership development team from Germany and from Europe, from Germany? uh, France and I think someone, um, in Canada. And so we had our, our team on the line and I, I, contributed a thought and shared a comment. And one of the individuals asked a question back to me that I felt was very abrasive and made me felt feel like she was criticizing my competency or my preparation for that meeting in general. So I took great offense to it. And all of a sudden, I flashed back to this model. And I thought, you know what, Amber, take a time out for yourself for a second. Don't think you're more important than you really are or that this individual knows your work ethic or the the depth to which you've prepared for this phone call and meeting. So I I took a breath, right? And instead of getting defensive, I just answered the question that she posed, non-emotionally, non-confrontationally. And her response was, oh, that's spectacular. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks for the time you put into this. Situation totally diffused, right? So, so this is for sure on our leaders to, to understand and, and make sure your intent and your impact are exactly what you want it to be. But it's also on behalf of our listeners and our observers. And when we can learn to meet in the middle on that and both sides are committed to clarifying intent and better understanding impact, that's where greatness starts to happen. And that's what I love about my role in working with business leaders and going in and helping really understand how our systems in place, what are our communication structures right now, what's the intent and impact that's happening, and how can we bring alignment for our people internally to see this more clearly, because this starts to transform how teams function is when intent and impact are clarified and understood. All right. So there's one other framework that I want to give when you, when you are communicating, particularly when you're giving feedback, but, but in any way, right, it's an acronym for the word pitch, right? You want to deliver your communication with the right pitch. And each of these letters stands for something. So go ahead and write these down. P stands for productive. I stands for informative. T stands for timely. C stands for core values. And H stands for honest, right? So you want to communicate with the right, Pitch. So many times, again, and this goes back to building the message, right? You have to take time to craft your message so that it is communicated with clarity and compassion and so that we can optimize every, every chance we have a chance to communicate with our people. It must be viewed as a critical moment. And if we, if we communicate with the right pitch, we will be productive and advance our team little by little, 1% of 1% every single day. So you want your communication to be productive. Don't talk just to talk. People can see through that and then they turn, tune you out. I stands for informative. Make sure you say something. When they walk away, let there be a takeaway. You know, again, productive and informative sort of goes hand in hand, but make sure it's informational. Timely. This is huge in feedback particularly because you know I, the worst is is when you do your annual performance reviews right and and the first time an individual is hearing something that they need to do better is is in a performance review and let's say you do your performance reviews in in December And your manager comes in and recounts an experience, let's say you had a sales pitch in February that he was a part of, and he's now giving you feedback on a pitch that you delivered in February, not timely. Right, which means that you can't make the necessary adjust adjustments, and oftentimes that creates a sense of anger and and frustration toward leaders. We have to be timely. We've got to be willing to have difficult conversations. We've talked about this. We have to give feedback when it when it's right when it happens. Right, it has to be you know within 24 hours, let's say, because that's when it's most fresh and when it can actually be adjust adjusted. We have to be aware before we can enhance. We can't get better if we don't know where we're at. So timely in our communication. The other thing in terms of timely is, you know, timely, let's say, in your business cycle, timely in your season, timely in the the time of day that you even communicate with your people. When's the right time to connect with them? Core values. All of your communication should align with the core values of your organization, Again, here you should be seeing, oh, that's why, we, that's why we did the culture piece early on, right? Because all these things have to happen in sequence. You can't connect your communication to your core values if your core values aren't in place. But if your core values are in place, then you connect every, of, every one of your communications, again, written, verbal, and nonverbal, right, to your core values. Now, all of a sudden, you're permeating your culture. That's how all of these things are connected. And finally, honest. It's got to be real. People can see through fake. Real recognizes real. Truth recognizes truth. In those moments, right, we got to be honest with our people. We got to be honest with ourselves. That opens the door to build trust. Right, that helps us take the information, the, the productive information that you have to communicate, the informative information that you have to communicate, and allows um, great strides to be taken in terms of the relationships among our people and our drive toward our strategic objectives. Just a couple other things to consider as we're leading out. I mean, we should take everything into, into account when we're communicating with our people. Are we doing it live or are we doing it remote? Are we sitting in chairs or are we sitting at round tables? What's the lighting in different rooms? So I had the opportunity to give a speech to the Women in Business Organization or not, I'm sorry, not the women in business, but um, young women who've been admitted to the University of Notre Dame who are coming into um, next year as freshmen. And so I had the opportunity to speak with them, and it was cool because um, we were slated for this one room that was in the basement, and I, I went upstairs and saw this other room that had beautiful windows, right and light and new technology. And I just made a game time decision that's, hey, let's go to the let's go to this room because I feel like they're going to be able to receive the communication that I have and a much different and better way in this bright, open, clear, fresh room versus being in the basement, right? Where there's no windows and it's just a little bit darker. Again, not bad, but if we have the opportunity to be excellent, freaking be excellent. That's my theory in everything we do. Right, really good isn't bad. But if excellence possible, freaking let's do it. Let's get on that. Right. And so even in our communication with little things like that, we can be mindful and we can get better at positioning our communication to have the impact that it is that we're after. So again, as leaders, we want to make sure that that we're setting the room up, that that we're in the right place, whether we're live, whether we're whether we're teleconferenced in. If we have a chance to be on video versus just be on a call, can we do that? Because seeing each other right activates different neural processing and it engages our people more. And finally, can we tap into that power of story so that we can really start syncing everybody in our organization's brain? So it was awesome. Um, we talked about this again in season one, but Coach Lou. Holtz at the University of Notre Dame before every game he'd bring his guys in and he'd lay them all out in Loftus in our indoor training facility and he would just run through the game the next day the game as he saw it in his mind and he'd tell the story of the game and so all the guys are laying there just listening to coach and they might have thought it was crazy but that's fine actually they did think it was crazy but they loved it They didn't know why, but they loved it. I'm friends with a lot of these guys now, and one of the things that they most remember is Coach Holtz's um, relaxation sessions is what he called them, and he'd lay them down on the mat, right? get them nice and relaxed, have them get their minds in a positive state, and then he would just run through a game in his mind of what was going to happen the next day. And these guys are funny, right, because they've been like, and no, no way the next day things that Coach said on Friday night happened on game day. Why is that? Because Coach Holtz synced their brainwaves literally the night before. He got them all on the same page. And when he, and when he was telling the story that Alan Rossum was going to get the opening kickoff and return it for a touchdown, and then all of a sudden the next day, Alan Rossum received the opening kickoff and, ret- kick and returned it for a touchdown, guess why? Because Alan was on the same page as everybody on that special teams play was, as Coach Holtz was, and greatness happened. That's the power of story, and that's how, as leaders, we can leverage the power of story to communicate with clarity and compassion to drive the excellence that we're after in our team or organization. All right, championship leadership training for this week. For lead-in, right, for week, week one here, lead-in, I want you to be intentional about crafting your message and your communication prior to every meeting you have this week. And you can go a step further. Every email you send, think about what it is you're saying. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're writing about. Thinking about, think about what you're communicating. Is it productive? Is it informative? Is it timely? Does it connect with your core values? Is it honest? Use that to be intentional about crafting your message this week and see how that transforms your intentionality, the clarity, the compassion with which you communicate to your people to sync them up. All right. And then lead out. I want you to include at least one story in all of your communications this week. Okay, so for the next two weeks, right, we're on a two-week cycle here with these leadership principle is communicate with clarity and compassion. Mindset principle is the power of storytelling. So I want you to be intentional about crafting your communication prior to each meeting this week and include at least one story in each of your communications. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a blast being with you again, just talking about the importance of communication. Communication is on us as leaders, And we have to be diligent in that and communicate, 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 consistency, consistency, consistency. Oh, gosh, I love it. I love this. It's so, so, so powerful. In our interview next week with Todd Gong, where I know he's going to bring some some powerful elements about the art of communicating um, as leaders. And then in a couple weeks, I know Jason Lippert, CEO of Lippert Components, is going to be on with us. And he and I met a couple weeks ago, and he said, man, I sometimes I feel like a broken record saying the same thing over and over and over again. Hey, clarity in the pulpit. Clarity in the pews, right? And it's got to be reiterated, 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 so that, right, mindsets, championship mindsets can be built. If you're a Notre Dame football fan, right, you hear Coach Kelly talk all the time about our traits of excellence, traits of excellence, traits of excellence. It might sound repetitive, but guess what's happening? Championship mindsets are being built in these young men around the traits of excellence, what it means to deliver excellence consistently on the field and off the field. Leaders, we impact the mindsets of our people based on what we communicate on a daily basis. That is what we're saying, what we're writing, how we're presenting ourselves, what our body language is, what our gestures are. This is the most important thing. And you are either building championship mindsets or you are building mediocrity. Everything you say and do matters as a leader because you are communicating whether your mouth is open or not. And we have to communicate with clarity and compassion and consistency, consistency, consistency because it's repeated thoughts that build mindsets. And mindsets are what drive how we show up in any and all situations. I, I was starting to close there and then I just got excited and I kept going. So if there is any way that I can be assistance to you of building mindsets, right? Championship mindsets or leadership in your team or organization, please email me. Amber at um, I Keynote addresses, right? Trainings. I've got an incredible group of performance coaches on staff that if you're looking for one-on-one leadership coaching with your people, your organization, And we can intertwine, mix and match all of those components to help get you functioning, right? Unleash that performance excellence that we talk about, mindset and leadership. Um, check out, go to our website too. We've got a lot of information www.selkingperformance.com. Follow us on social media. Um, we're on Twitter at Champ Mindsets. We're on Instagram at Selking Performance, Face Group, Selking Performance. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn too, just Amber Selking. Um, and, and again, let's get connected. Let's figure out how to integrate this into your team and your organization so we can take it to the next level. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an honor and a pleasure being with you today. Again, you've been listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast, and this has been your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win.
0: Pride View Medical is a patient-oriented, Medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC level labs, and state of the art technology in one building, providing a one stop patient centered environment which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brideview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media, everyone has a story, yours needs a podcast.